Welcome to the Ephesiology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the early Christian movement. Today, we're with Michael, our resident ephesiologist, Andrew Johnson, associate pastor at Neartown Church in Houston, Texas. I'm Matt Till, uh, lead pastor of Restoration Church in the Chicago suburbs. And we're back again with our uh, our guest, Devlin Scott, uh, all the way up from Massachusetts. Devlin, it's good to have you with us again on this episode. I'm excited, man. The first round of conversation was was great, powerful. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we, we felt the same. We're like, well, this ain't like we're not done here yet. Uh, we're just yeah. scratching the surface and uh, starting to get into it. So we said, man, we got to keep going and keep rolling with this. So uh, we're glad to be able to do a part two with you. And uh, who knows where else this conversation will lead us. But uh, we're glad you're with us again today. Um, we're going to be, uh, if you haven't, for just our listeners, if you haven't uh, caught, if you're just kind of jumping in right here on part two of this conversation on uh, ethnic diversity, um, as we see it um, in Ephesians and through, as we're talking about Ephesiology, um, go back, stop right now, it's okay, and go back and listen to part one. Uh, this can be really critical for you for context um, as we are getting into this conversation, because we're just going to jump right in kind of where we left off. And uh, we want to make sure you get all of that was there in part one. So I, I don't encourage you to listen to this in reverse order, but rather go back to part one and then chime back in here on part two again and just join us in this conversation because we know it, uh, you'll be blessed by it and it will be a fruitful conversation uh, for all of us. Uh, so with that said, um, we're just going to jump right into it. And you know, when we kind of left off in that last episode, we were uh, beginning to kind of ask this question and we were hearing uh, so many like wonderful things about this gr- bigger picture of the gospel. This bigger picture of the gospel is not just one that is uh, vertical in nature in regarding to just solely about our salvation, but there's also a horizontal component to the gospel. And it's uh, creating this, this wholeness in us and a restorative movement, if you will, uh, in, in all of humanity. And we see that played out throughout scripture so clearly, but uh, Devlin, even as you were telling us and reminding us of, is that the gospel so often just becomes the vertical. Uh, we forget about the horizontal and specifically in this issue of racial reconciliation. Um, and so just as you were describing that and sharing that and kind of even what you're experiencing out in your church planning context, um, just all of a sudden began to dawn on me. And I think this is the question I want to lead with is, is uh, this issue, this, this idea of unity, reconciliation, is this a key to movement dynamics moving forward? What do you guys think um, as we see it played out um, uh, through Ephesians and as we saw it in Ephesus? I, I would just jump in and say, consider the context that is always given uh, through the growth of the church in, in Acts and so forth. It always talked about how they were with one accord and how like, prior to anything kind of substantial, uh, or even some of those just pivot moments for the movement of the of the early Christian church, it was always identified by by the unity of the, the people that were there and the unity of, of it all. You would almost say that that the way or the the Christian movement at the time, the Jesus movement at the time, was clar- was classified or even characterized by that. Right? It was like they knew the teachings of Jesus was a part of it, but probably what was undeniable across the board was this unity and the community that was happening among the individuals who were a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I was just thinking that at the same time, yeah, that was the goal. And and they certainly achieved that to a, a degree, um, but they weren't immune to issues of race and how that yeah. would distract them. I mean, you yeah. think of, uh, uh, you know, Paul or Paul, Peter and John, 
following in the steps of Philip that go to Samaria. And they're surprised, you know, that the gospels even come to the Samaritans. And then the whole issue with the Gentiles, and you have the first council that's revolving around, well, how do we, how do we reconcile this thing now that the Holy Spirit who came to us and manifested himself in such an incredible way, he also did that with the Samaritans and now with the Gentiles, what, what do we do with that? Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, it was uh, kind of this process, but, but you have to believe that they were thinking back to Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17, that, that they would be one as he and the father mm-hmm. are one. And, yeah. and this is making sense now to them as the Holy Spirit is revealing that this mystery wasn't just about the Jews, but it was about the Samaritans and the rest of the world. Yeah. One of the things too that um, I'm I'm also uh, just kind of was thinking about is um, in, in regards to that is is maybe we should even we've been using the the phrase you know or we're talking about Jews and Gentiles. Um, let's let's who were the Gentiles? I mean, just because I, I think sometimes we can kind of just gloss over that, and sometimes even in our preaching we just for the sake of, of time or argument, because we want to get to, you know, we're pastors and we got this agenda. We want this, we got this, this dynamite message we're working on. And we just kind of blow through the category and we just kind of say Jews and Gentiles. Oh yeah. The Jews is where the, you know, is, is where is, is again, we know who the Jews are um, because that's our heritage of our faith and the Gentiles were the non-believers. Uh, they're the pagans. Now let's move on. And we just kind of, just bl- the, yeah, they're the other category, right? But who were the Gentiles? Um, can, can we, what, what, what did that encompass? Yeah, well, of course, the Greek is ethnos um, or ethne. And, um, and so we get this idea that the Gentiles are, are much more than just simply a distinct um, people group. But it, it's inclusive of all nations or all ethnicities. And, uh, and sometimes, I, I mean, this has been a concern of mine that when we read something like uh, what Paul is writing in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, and we come across that word Gentiles, that we think of them as one distinct people group. When in mm-hmm. fact, as I mentioned in, in the previous podcast, there were at least 50 distinct ethnic uh, groups that were present in Asia Minor at the time of Paul's writing. And so when Paul thinks, when he uses that word, uh, ethnos, that it has a huge meaning. It's not limited just to just one people group, but these are distinct ethnic populations that have distinct cultural practices. They have uh, more than likely distinct phenotypic features. They have distinct uh, religious practices. And so we have to think in terms of uh, this distinction, uh, this diversity that was already present in the first century. So then Paul is asking, Paul's telling the readers, then I'm not asking you to learn one new thing. I'm asking you to learn a lot of new things. I'm asking you to, uh, again, not just learn one people group but I want you to go with this good news of Jesus that he is desiring to unite all things unto himself. You need to go to everybody with Mm -hmm. this and uh, you need to kind of drop some of your previously conceived notions of what is both right or only 
and make it now about me. So uh, in my mind, Matt, when you asked that question uh, at the start of our podcast about the the necessity of embracing ethnic diversity for movement dynamics, if I were to term it differently, Devlin, and then throw it back to you, do you feel that in the Western American church, we as the church have failed to embrace true ethnic diversity, and that is a reason why we are not seeing movements? Devlin, would you, could you speak to that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> my short answer to that would be just this. It's no doubt that the American church has oftentimes been on the wrong side of kind of social issues or not on a side of it at all, late to the game in most of these conversations, um, which I think is is a big it's a big travesty in, in the in the matter of it. You think about the civil rights movement um, in the 60s, um, it was oftentimes the antagonist to such movements was Bible thumpers, Bible users as well. And so the kind of in the broad stroke, uh, the Christian faith, um, the evangelical Christian faith has oftentimes found itself on the wrong side of some of these things, even in, in silence. So that's my short answer. I, I would say, I would say if it hasn't stopped the growth, it definitely has had the opposite effect where we've started to see hemorrhaging as a result of it. And definitely many, I would even say denominations have been formed out of such splits um, that sometimes had those type of, um, that context where there was some disagreement around the issue of, of, of race. I do want to kind of sec- take a step back and I will inform my, my, my perspective on that with kind of the discussion we were just at, um, talking about who are Gentiles. Um, and I would like to propose a thought that's a little bit higher up from it. Yes, we know that there are ethnic, there's an ethnic group that are Jews, and then there's a, a group of ethnic groups of people that are Gentiles. Um, and, and using kind of the, the Greek uh, translation that, that Matt, I'm sorry, that Mike gave, uh, gave us, um, I wonder if it's better to see the Gentiles, um, not as the non-Jews, but everything that's other than you, right? Because if Paul's audience, if he's talking to the Jews, um, then the the Gentiles then are any people who are not them. And so then every ethnic group can then have Gentiles too, right? It's like, if I'm from Samaria, then the Gentiles will be all of those who are not like me, right? It's it's the ethnic groups that are not being addressed at the time. That could be formative and, and helpful for anybody in every context uh, for the church. If you are Caucasian, then the Gentiles in that context would be anybody who's not you. And then what does it look like to reconcile that uh, in that context, uh, the community together? It would be you bringing the gospel to and being reconciled in relationship to anybody that is not a part of your ethnic group, as well as your ethnic group. As African-American, it, 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 it would be the Gentiles then for me would be the, the group that is the ethnic groups that are not a part of my the African-American context. I think if we looked at it that way, um, I think uh, previously we kind of had some dialogue about this. And when we're trying to find who are the Gentiles, sometimes people could literally say there's the Jews and then the Gentiles is my my group. I'm among the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the gospel was brought to me. 
but now that you have the gospel, right, you have been grafted into God's family. You, by definition, if we use the words not literally, but use the words kind of just to categorize those who are chosen by God and those who are still uh, waiting to hear this message and be grafted into it, then we are all, quote unquote, then a part of God's chosen people. We are part of that quote unquote Jews, right? And in some kind of way, we are now grafted into his family. We are his chosen. Those people who would be uh, uh, t- would be Gentiles would be those, especially in ethnicities that are outside of that. Um, and so instead of seeing ourselves as the Gentiles, we need to start seeing ourselves as the chosen and we need to take the message to those yeah. outside of that. Yeah, I, I love that idea I, I, because I think it fits here with the text. Uh, and that's what Paul's saying, that you guys yeah. are chosen, you've been predestined, you're adopted. The, the purpose for which is to unite all things in Christ. You're joining with God and in, in what it is that he's about. And, um, and now be about that as well. And as you've referred to before, a part of being about that is not only this vertical relationship, but the horizontal one of uh, reconciling uh, those those differences. You know what else I appreciate about this um, conversation in, in Devlin? I just think that's such a, what a wonderful picture that is, is to think of a Gentile, anyone other than you. Uh, what a beautiful place of, of humility that that is mm-hmm. for us. But also one that I think, even as Michael, you're just saying, totally fits. I mean, Paul here is actually, he's trying to remove the categories of Jew and Gentile. And he clearly says it, actually, I feel like he's saying it very clearly in verse 14 of chapter 2 in Ephesians. He says that he unites Jew and Gentiles into one man, uh, anthropos, mm-hmm. which is people, humanity. He's, he's like, listen, these, these categories that we once had are now one. The, the categories are gone. It's, there's one new people. There's one new humanity. And it's all fallen underneath Christ Jesus Christ, who seeks to unite all things back to him. I mean, this is God's will, right? His will is to unite all things back to him and including the categories of humanity to make one new humanity in the kingdom. And what a humbling place in which that is for us, in which we have to reconcile, especially for those in Western white culture, where we have been of the authority of the power positions and have always found ourselves in that place of going like, Man, like that—that's something that for those in authority and those in a power position, or who have um, privilege, I should even say, we have to reconcile that and go, "What does that look like?" And how do I use my place of privilege, even for a place of of being of one who seeks this uniting and going, "This isn't mine to own; it's rather all of ours." If we tease this out, though, I feel so. I'm worried. As, as we're kind of toying with this, this language a little bit, uh, because <laughs> as we've done it, it is creating an us and them. Uh, and, and then if we, if we think about this more, and again, I love it, especially because who are you? You are an inheritor of the promise. You are now a part of the family of God. Who are the Gentiles? Those are people who have not yet come to know Jesus. What's the, it's the old quote. I forget who said it. Um, every heart in Christ, a missionary, every heart without a mission field. Mm. Like um, everybody is in need of a savior. But if we continue on, I think we're kind of missing a plague right now, which is uh, there is a lack of racial diversity within those who are the us. Mm -hmm. And so, so, 
So Devlin, I'm happy that Devlin is doing his thing in Massachusetts, uh, but I want him to stay there and stay with quote unquote mm. his people. And so all of a sudden, like, I, I don't know. I think there's a danger of us not saying, you know what? There's a lot of gospel work. There is a lot of heart work uh, that we need to change within the us to see others who are of different skin colors and different ethnicities and different experiences. If they are in Christ, they are our brother, they are our sister, and we have a lot to do, I would say, within our own team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, what I think within that understanding of us, we've we can see that we've become very tribal. You know, there are different kinds of us, and um, and that just oftentimes seems to be divisive. And, and that's what Paul is trying to get at here in in Ephesians chapter two, is that that now there is no other us. We are us, all of us, uh, Jew and Gentile, like you were referring to, Matt. And it hearkens to Galatians. You know, there is no longer Jew or Greek and Romans as well. There, I mean, those categories aren't there. But at the same time, I mean, there are a couple of thoughts here I think that we have to hit. Uh, one, if this is going to happen, we have got to, the, the us it has got to be focused on God. Um, in his glory. I mean, I just can't help but to think that if we were all focused on his glory, that these, it, it would just be natural for these categories to dissolve away, uh, not, not to dissolve away in a dismissive manner, but to no longer uh, be thinking about the, you know, us and them. It's we, and collectively, we can learn from each other in, in the midst of the diversity that God has created by yeah. the fact that we are different ethnically. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I wonder, to some extent, if that's what Paul's trying to get at in Ephesians yeah. chapter 2. I would agree. There's a dying to self that is happening um, on a regular basis. And, and, and that dying to self is the focusing on, on God. And and, and it's almost like as you pursue God, as you focus on God, like 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 chaffed from wheat, being separated from wheat, those things that are not like him, including our biases, in some cases, racist thoughts or, or positions, um, not understanding our responsibility, misusing our privilege, that kind of stuff. Those things like shells, just, just like scales, just fall off as we pursue you know, understanding uh, hmm. God more and more and focus on him. And that's the part that we, I, I feel like we don't always allow to take place, right? It's that the self-awareness as you go to God that just says, uh, this too, must you must die to self in this. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we don't know that uh, we have to die, that that part of us has to die because we've attached biblical mandate to the way we are. It's almost like, we said, I'm going to find in scripture what affirms my behavior as opposed to letting scripture determine and shape my behaviors. It, it's been going the wrong direction. I will say it this way. Emerson, uh, Michael Emerson, who wrote uh, Divided by Faith and United by Faith, a great book uh, talking about diversity and how the church has part has been very influential in causing that and how the church is still the hope of, of reuniting us in that in that way. Um, he implies something that I am all for. He says, hey, if the diversity is in your city, your church should have it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that ought to be a goal of churches to say, I know, like, like, and I would say this is true. I mean, you have areas that are predominantly one race or the other race, but I would say um, if, if it's represented in your city, you need to be trying to reach those two, those individuals. And if anything in your, in the way that you approach your church or your ministry is not acknowledging the Gentile, if you will, then we're missing part of this mandate of what it means to take the gospel. We're missing Paul's point here. Um, how can there be a, reconcil- a reconciliation of, of, of these groups together and become, a, like Matt said, kind of one uh, one race under kind of like the, the unity of Christ? If we're not even willing uh, to check ourselves and realize that we are catering our churches, our services, our programs to, to the people like us and not considering what it means to reach other groups, um, in that same way, so I, I am a believer, and and I know it's a it's a it's a sometimes kind of like a, a grandiose thought or idea. Sometimes maybe it's just it's pie in the sky thinking. But if they're in your community, I think they should, they should be a part of your the people you're trying to reach at your church, and that needs to be intentional. In my yeah, opinion. yeah, no, I hear you, and I I agree. It, it, here's the thought that I have as you're as you were talking, Devlin. Um, I mean, we're looking at the the New Testament movement. And of course, that New Testament movement, uh, thankfully, had not institutionalized yeah. um, at this point. We'll see it eventually institutionalize. Um, but, uh, and so that movement was very much focused on the household. But still, there were, you know, I've estimated uh, something around 500 uh, house churches in Ephesus by the end of Paul's ministry there. And, and eventually when the book comes out, you can look and see how I argued that. But uh, that being said, I wonder how much the creation of the institution has adversely impacted even our ability to do what you just said. And, and that is to have multiple voices um, in a community that would acknowledge each other and respect each other and, and, uh, and be that uh, unity that we're seeing yeah. in Ephesians 2. Yeah, I mean, we gotta, we got to remember that institution, all of these things are, are man-made to some degree. It's, the, it's following the, the mandate of, of something God wanted to, instill and, and to start um, in, in God's part. But the institutionalization of it all <laughs> is kind of man's kind of adaptation of God's uh, mandate. And um, when you do that, you, you got all kinds of stuff that's going to happen. All the the imperfections of humanity can creep into what is supposed to be a noble concept or idea uh, to do this. And when you when we build institutions, we, we oftentimes let certain things perpetuate uh, within those institutions because we are man-made. I will give you an example. Um, you know, when we're searching in our context now, and sometimes an institution, or if you're doing it in the form of a movement, and if you're after a movement, I would say use this as a criteria. We start to think about who's going to be leaders in our church, or who's going to be leaders in our in our movement within our gathering of people. And sometimes, uh, what even we use as criteria for what makes person people good leaders, uh, sometimes will alienate individuals and their ethnicity. Um, uh, I had a friend of mine contact me once. Was working with a great organization that uh, rehabilitates individuals uh, who's who's been caught in, in drugs or or, or alcoholism, and and their their program uh, rehabilitating them. And this individual, he called to ask me about an African American who's applying for um, kind of a leadership role, and he 
went through the program. So in on book, on paper, he was a perfect candidate for it. But he couldn't understand this white individual who reached out to me, a friend of mine, could not figure out why was he, he, he on paper, this person looked like a perfect leader. But when he talked to the individual, he just, he didn't speak up. He didn't um, use, he didn't use the same language about that you would expect from a leader and all these particular things. And, and, and my friend was right to ask the question, is that something I'm missing culturally? And I was, and I was, I, I was like, yes, 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 and yes, right? Because there's something about humility and leadership in the African-American space and community. It, it, obviously, you have the extremes of the other side, right? Where you have people kind of lorded up in, in their leadership. Uh, but to be a real leader who's humble um, requires you don't brag about yourself. You don't talk about how good you are and all of that which is not the qualifications of our world when it comes to leadership, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, put yourself out there, tell them how great you are, tell them what you've achieved, show them your accolades and all of that. And so I told, I had to, I told this particular friend, trust what you see this person has accomplished, even if he's not speaking it. He's gonna rock at this leadership position because he, and he's humble in doing so. I bring that scenario up because I think even in criteria of what we see as leadership, we sometimes don't let certain individuals there in, in their ethnic groups sit at the top in leadership. We don't share that space in leadership and we give it the explanation of, oh, they, they don't have the leadership quality or maybe they are um, not, um, I don't know, they, they're not a good fit or something like that. Those are all code words for how we just keep this thing separated instead of seeing it as this unity we bring about. I think it was you, Michael, who brought up how there was never this one leader always seen within the church in leadership but it was a shared space. Mm -hmm. And I would say, according to Ephesians 2, that shared space has to be diverse. If we're talking about who are the leaders of the Gentiles and you have 50 some odd different uh, groups represented there, you need representation from those groups and leadership, or else I would call that a pseudo community or pseudo diversity where you're not really tapping into it yet. You just got people sitting at the table, but they have no voice. That's not gonna go very far. And I think any movement, as opposed to an institution, is going to have to understand how to pull the right people in. And those people cannot be guided by some superficial, sometimes um, uh, biased, focused perspective on who those individuals can be. You're going to have to bring those people to the table, realizing what they bring is valuable and that is a part of their culture as well. Um, that's a valuable piece to it as well. I'm Great. feeling convicted, so I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew tapped out. He's yeah. out. He's I do done. want to add one. I do want to add one more thing. Um, when we talk sometimes about, and, and Michael, you've talked about this. You say Christ has already done this. He's already done the work that we might be reconciled um, to God, and we might be reconciled to one another. And I so agree with that. When we start talking, however, about um, uh, reconciling reconciling us to one another, what Christ has done. I think sometimes we speak of it um, as kind of like this thing we can get to, a box we can check, mm. right? And But we would never say that of our, our, our journey with, with God. We would never say that we have made it, we have arrived in our faith or in our walk with God, that we, we will always see it as a work in process. And we will see that process itself almost as the righteous work. And I would say the same is true in the reconciliation with one another. What Christ did, did accomplish it. But the process of us realizing that and living in that, that's what God is using to perfect us in our faith. So we have to, we have to sit in this messy middle, this mystery of not knowing how it's going to work out, not having all the answers to it, and be okay with that, right? Be okay with 
journeying with other people who are not like us in order that we may realize what Christ has done in reconciling us to one another. It's mm-hmm. a, a continuation in, the, in this thing and it's an embracing the process of it and not just checking a box. <laughs> Andrew just saying no mic, mic drop. drop. Mic drop. Over. I don't oh, know what wow. else to say about that. I mean, oh, wow. Devlin, no, I mean, this is this is phenomenal. And I, I think it's giving us uh, some really great pieces for us to, to be processing and to be thinking about. You know, one thing that really comes to mind um, just about white culture, um, as you were just sharing, uh, just even your story about the leadership aspect is how deeply insecure white culture tends to, to live in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's prevalent. It's, we see it everywhere. And there's just this deep-seated insecurities. And, um, and it leads to places of fear, unrighteous fear, that uh, leads us to abuse positions of power and authority and privilege. And, um, man, I said that this is a new concept for me, (laughs) you know, I'm just, I'm just sharing it like right here. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is so new to me within the last, you know, year or so that I've just been even uncovering it myself. And I go, man, what's wrong with me? (laughs) You know? And I go, wait a minute. It's not just me. It's like, it's us. Like we have a problem here, you know, and we got to deal with it. And, um, even as you shared on the previous episode, this idea of this traveling wall, and um, you guys uh, put on the uh, what was it? What were the phrases that people were writing on there again? Uh, this was stereotypes that they've experienced uh, Stere- in their life, that, and, and and we put that in direct relationship to the church. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Well, still, even just that idea of stereotypes, you know what I mean? And then this this public lament that you did at the end of that, mm-hmm. and you break down that wall. I mean, what a beautiful picture that is, and I just think that. I mean, the white evangelical church just needs to really come to terms with this. And we have got to deal with this um, and we've got to deal with ourselves and we need to have a, a time of lament um, and in a period of that. Um, and it, it's, you know, maybe there's some condemnation that needs to come. But then again, I also feel like there's also just a place of humility and, and grace that we just need to kind of fall on and say, look at our brothers and sisters here. Let's return to scripture. Let us look at what Paul is calling us to. And what we see, I mean, this, um, I mean, I do believe this is a component to why the Christian movement has, is tanking in, um, in our culture today, and especially in the West. I mean, this yeah. is a major issue. This is something that we've never, we just have not really dealt with um, in our history. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of my, uh, my white brothers and sisters who might even be listening now are like, why are we even t- Actually, they probably turned it off a long time ago because they're probably like, well, I thought this is over with. Like, this is not an issue. Um, but it, it is. It's like we haven't dealt with this properly. Sure. We haven't lamented this. We haven't actually walked into this and, and engaged in this conversation. And We're not going to check that box in this lifetime. Not necessarily, right? Just yeah. like we won't check the holiness box and we are, we are completely righteous in every way as we live this earth on this earth. I think we're going to have to be okay with the journeying with this until the Lord calls us home, because that's important for us to see it that way. Um, We are working out our soul salvation in Mm. in this one. Uh, We are shedding the sins in it all. And I just want to say, Matt, you know, white folks don't have to take all the blame for this, you know, (laughs) like they, we we all- We're so insecure, we're just gonna take it all. We, we all are carrying this in so many different ways. I mean, you got to think there are prominently African-American churches. There are prominently all these different other like churches that are predominantly a, a certain uh, race. And that's not bad. 
when we, I mean, that's not bad. It's just incomplete. That's all I would say. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can break that down in, at least from my perspective in, in a very profound way. But I think it's not bad. I think it's good. It's definitely the place where we start. It's, and, but as a part of the American, the Western church uh, movement, uh, it, we can't stay there because our country's not even that, you know, like if we lived in a country where it was all just one race, you know, then it was like, okay, sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's just, we're not there. And, and so we, it's not, we're not, it's not complete if we stay in our ethnic group. Um, but I will say this, we all carry that. And I would just say that that's just the sin that we are marked with as humanity. I think I asked this question when we were kind of talking about this podcast, when did it all start <laughs> for us to separate one another on, on issues of, of race and, and color and stuff? And we're reading right now in, in the early church before the church even really started, we're talking about this movement and it was there among Jews and Gentiles. This is why Paul is addressing it. It yeah. was there. I mean, we can go back even further in scripture. It was there. Um, so there's something about our createdness, our humanity, uh, that, that, that that sin is just kind of marred with. I mean, something, something Adam and Eve did. I blame them all the time. Something that they did <laughs> in the garden and, and left us here. Um, but it's something we all are wrestling with. And I think if we come to that point, I think we can humble ourselves together at that point and say we are all struggling with this part humanity has this stain where we we classify worth on the on based on people's color and their ethnic groups and we all need to continue to let the lord redeem that in us as we as we do this yeah i i, I mean those are great great thoughts and i 100 percent agree and and there's something in me that's wondering yeah we've i, I mean that this isn't a new conversation it has been going on uh, it, it is very acute now in our society. Uh, I, I mean, these are on the lips of prominent political leaders uh, regularly mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and to some extent in the church, not that we've addressed it and we haven't addressed it. It still needs to be addressed. And I completely agree that we need to own it, uh, confess it to each other, and uh, work with each other. And, and so then it, it brings me back to the, the question that you addressed uh, at the beginning of this particular episode, Matt. How significant was that unity between these ethnic groups to the growth of the movement? And I think, I think the answer has to be, well, it was very significant. And, uh, and not that they didn't have problems, because we've seen that they had problems. But, but what, what was it that helped to propel that movement forward to continue to grow? And, and we've talked about, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't think we hear it enough that we yeah. need to be so focused on God yeah. that yeah. those things just become blurry to us. And we don't even recognize that those ethnic, uh, what were boundaries before. But I think what gets us there is, you know, uh, coming together and worship together. Uh, that something happens when we worship together, the Lord, where we don't see color and uh, we don't see those distinctions, but we see the Lord and our focus is on him. But I think too, that that has to result in a common mission, that we are together on this mission of God's that's uniting all things in Christ. And I wonder if that might be where we have broken down in in our Western uh, context. Do we have a sense that we, as diverse of an ethnic population as we are, uh, even in the Christian community, 
do we have a sense that we are really on a common purpose with God to unite all things in Christ? Mm. And and I wonder what that would do and to us. I, I think that's, I think that's, I think you're right on when you talk about the seeing God and focusing on him. I, I, I will flip, however, the idea that the things become blurry. Um, I think they become more brilliant. Mm. I think as we mm. focus on God, who we are and the diversity of who we are, the beauty that is the tapestry of his kingdom is I made more brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we are missing in the church. Um, it's not that we don't see the color. It's not that we don't see the ethnic groups. It's that we, we embrace them all the more. Um, so that the glory of God is seen. We have to ask ourselves the question, why is Paul worried about the Gentiles in this scenario? Why does God want the Gentiles a part of it to begin with? Why not just the Jews? I mean, the whole Old Testament has been focused on them. Why now is Jesus opening this up to these other people? Because God intended for this beauty of all of it to be brilliant across every single group of people, mm -hmm. for his beauty and his wonder to be seen. I would go so far to say this, and I'll leave us here that we have yet to see the full glory of God until we can see the full glory of who he's created in all mm. of this beautiful tapestry. Mm. Beautiful. better because of that. Amen. Amen. Devlin, this is such a joy and such a privilege uh, for you to join us today. And I know that uh, the three of us have been blessed and I know that too, our man. listeners Me have too. been too. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you, well, guys. Thank you, brother, for joining us. And uh, just for our listeners, we invite you to continue this conversation with us. And by being part of our community, uh, will you join us online at ephesiology.com? You can get exclusive content, early access to this podcast, including the video portion of it, and also learn more about our laboratory and join the online discussions there. Uh, also, you can like and engage with us on our Facebook page. Uh, just search Ephesiology. And of course, be sure to subscribe and share the Physiology Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and leave a five-star rating review for us. And that's how other people get a chance to hear and find this content and benefit it from just like you. So for Michael, Andrew, Devlin, and myself, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. All right. Awesome. Your microphone's muted, bro. <laughs> How did we get that in before it kicked us off? That's amazing. That was awesome. Dublin, oh, yeah. thanks, brother. Man, that was so that huge. Was great. Thank that was great. Yeah, good. Hey, let's let's uh, we're, we're 